Our reading today comes from Philippians 2 verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. I'm going to start this morning with a joke that I believe was voted one of the funniest religious jokes of all times. It's by an American comedian called Emo Phillips and it's been illustrated for you by Ian Freestone. Once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, I said don't do it. He said nobody loves me. I said God loves you, do you believe in God? He said yes. I said are you a Christian or a Jew? He said a Christian. I said me too. Protestant or Catholic? He said Protestant. I said, me too. What version of Protestant? He said Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said Northern Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist, Eastern region? He said Northern Conservative Baptist, Great Lakes region. I said, me too. Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region of Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him over. Now that's just a silly joke, of course, but it does have some truth to it. If, we're all believing, if we all believe in the same God, why are we so divided? And I've been reflecting on this, and of course, I know the right answer. I know what the answer is. The answer is that uh, that whilst we disagree on certain things, actually, we are united in our following of Jesus. We are all actually Christian. We are all all Christians are united in the belief that Jesus is the Son of God. He died for our sins. He welcomes us into eternal life with G with God, the, the source of all goodness and all joy. And whilst we might disagree on the fringes, actually in reality, the key things we agree on. And we are, and as Paul uh, wrote in our passage today in Philippians 2, we are united in Christ. And elsewhere, the, the Bible consistently refers to Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ. We are family. You know, we may have different members of the family, but we are family. Now, that's the right answer. I know it is, but... Whilst I'm sure it's true, and of course it is, actually I'm not entirely sure it is the whole truth. 
And Paul clearly thought that as well, because he goes on after that verse in Philippians 2, verse 1. He goes on to urge Philippians, urge the Philippians, urge the church to live out that truth. He says, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the other. So one of the many things about Paul that I find amazing is his, his way to diagnose the human condition. He was so good at it. He knew it was not enough to just say uh, the right answer, just know the right answer. But actually being united across differences takes work. United as different people in different parts of the church takes work and a willingness to set your own interests aside. Because actually it's so much easier to live in unity with people who are like your, like ourselves. You know, to be friends with those who have similar interests, similar backgrounds are the same class to us, maybe have the same culture, language or race. And crucially for the early church, that he knew that it was easier for people to group in the, with those who have similar theological understandings. In 1 Corinthians 1.12, Paul lists how the church in Corinth was seemingly split uh, on different theological lines. Some people were following uh, le different leaders. One of you says, I follow Paul, another I follow Apollos, another I follow Cephas, still another I follow Christ. And in the church in Philippi, there's a hint that there is a split in a kind of similar way. In chapter one, we, uh, uh, we talked about the other week how there were conflicting motives behind those preaching the gospel. And in Philippians verse four, we, we hear of a disagreement between two women called Iodia and Sintich. You know, people are disagreeing and yet Paul is urging them to be united through their difference. Because the enemy has always sought to divide Christians, has always sought to separate people. And with so many differences between people, there are so many opportunities. I've been listening to an audiobook uh, recently called uh, Disunity in Christ. And it's by an African-American theologian and a psychologist called Christina Cleveland. And it's a brilliant book and it's challenged me deeply. And she starts her book talking about two characters. We've got right Christian and wrong Christian. And I was so challenged by it. See, right Christian is a lot like me, or at least a lot like the type of Christian I want to be. Right Christian understands the place of the Bible the same as me. They go to the, my kind of church. They vote the same way as me. They evangelise to people in the same way that I hope to, but they're much better at it. They, uh, they speak the same language. They maybe have the same songs that they enjoy in church and so on. Whereas wrong Christian, well, wrong Christian epitomises everything that is wrong with the church. You know, they are the kind of Christian that campaigns for all the wrong things. They vote the wrong way. They view the Bible completely wrongly. And there is no way I'm going to go to their church. Now picture right Christian and wrong Christian in your minds. Of course, it will be different for each of us. Um, but the reality is uh, there's probably some similarities in Christchurch. In a church like Christchurch, we probably have some things in common, hence why we're at the same church. Or, or at least we might have more and more similarities with those of us who we're closest to at church. Because in a church of more than 20 or 30 people, or perhaps even less, it is impossible to be cl as close to or as united with everyone 
So it's human nature, of course it's human nature to divide into little groups, maybe with people who are most similar to ourselves. You know, people who fit our culture, be it a culture of age, of class, of race, of nationality, politics, type of job or similar stage of life, you know, family status, relationship status. So why do I talk about this? Why did Paul encourage the whole church in Philippi to not just sit in their little bubbles, but be truly united? Why is it so important for us as Christians today to get out of our little micro bubbles, micro cultures, humble ourselves and engage with the wider body of Christ? Well, this is my key point this morning, that discipleship is cross-cultural. Discipleship is cross-cultural. Now, what do I mean by discipleship? Discipleship is us following Jesus, following the teachings and the way and the life of Jesus in our everyday life. And so discipleship is cross-cultural because Jesus is cross-cultural. Jesus lived a cross-cultural life. As we read the Gospels, we see him again and again going across and between cultures. He engages with women, something that wouldn't happen that often back then. He engages with social classes, being the friend of uh, those who are fishermen, the poor, and also friend of rich young rulers. He engages with Pharisees and Sadducees, who in all intents and purposes were different denominations. He went across political lines. You know, one of his closest followers is called Simon the Zealot. He's defined by being a zealot, which is a political group seeking to overthrow the Roman state. But then one of his other disciples, one of his other followers, was Matthew, a tax collector who was collecting taxes for the Roman state. He went as cross-cultural in terms of race and culture and nationality as well, as he engaged with both Jews and Gentiles, and he went out of his way to promote the cause of Samaritans and to welcome them in to the kingdom of God. But above all of this, our passage in Philippians 2 shows that these journeys across culture were small fry for Jesus. It says that Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus Christ, one person of the Trinity, who verse 9 and 10 describes as having the name above all names, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. That Jesus humbled himself and was made in human form. He became a baby, he became a human being, and he put our needs before himself. He put us before others as he lived his life and as he died on that cross for our sins. So we as a church are called to live for the other, to go across cultures within our church and beyond because we are disciples of the cross-cultural Christ. Now to finish today, I want to come back to the title of our series on Philippians. We're calling it Learning to Live the Life in the New Normal. Uh, and how are we as a church in Downend, in Bristol, and indeed the UK and around the world, how are we being called by God to live uh, and be followers of Jesus in this new normal? Well, I think we can see God in uh, at work, in and beyond his church. You know, maybe like me and over three million others, you may have seen the, the YouTube video of the UK blessing 
a song that's being sung over the nation. 65 different churches from all kinds of denominations joining together to, to bless our nation, to, to unite truly as Christians across different cultures within the church to bless the world. And actually, this is happening across the world. You know, it started with the churches in Pittsburgh uniting, but it, actually now you can find videos of similar versions of this song or something similar in general from churches in South Africa, Zimbabwe, Hawaii, Australia, France, Ghana, Nigeria, South Korea, Wales, Canada, Nepal, Malaysia, Lebanon, Singapore, Zambia, Mauritius, India, and even Ireland, where of course different denominations is a big thing. I could actually go on, there's more. The church is going cross-cultural and cross-denominational, and Christians are engaging together as a whole body of Christ. Elsewhere, of course, the Black Lives Matter movement has, of course, highlighted the need for cross-cultural and, indeed, and in this case, cross-racial engagement. And the church in this country, as, we've, as you may have seen in the news this week, is certainly not exempt from the sin of racism. Speaking as a white middle-class man, I hear the call of God to humble ourselves, be prepared to hear some uncomfortable truths, give up power and status where necessary, and truly unite with our brothers and sisters of other races. It might be difficult, of course it will be, but Jesus calls us to pick up our crosses and follow him. Discipleship is, cross is costly, but in the view of eternity it is so worth it. What might this mean to start with? Well, for for individuals, it means educating ourselves. You know, you might like me reading, uh, like me, you might like reading uh, kind of Christian books, um, you know, kind of supplementing your kind of hearing, not just in sermons, not just in your own reading the Bible, reading from Christian authors. But the vast majority of Christian authors and Christian books that I get recommended are by white middle class male church leaders. We have to go beyond that. We have to go out of our way and find and read and expose ourselves to the voices from the whole body of Christ across those gender, race and age gaps. To be a disciple of Christ means following him across cultures. To be a church that is living the life, we have to get beyond our comfort zones. A church that humbles itself, it gets beyond our preconceptions of right Christian and wrong Christian that often simply flow out of our understandings, our sinful understandings of right and wrong person. We are called to follow Jesus as we love the other and are truly united as the body of Christ. Amen.